Welcome to Ramanistan. We're your friendly neighborhood gypsies. And we are here with a mini thode responding to Foretold. And so I, Jez, one of your co-hosts, will interview Paulina, your other co-host, about the LA Times series Foretold that is coming out about her life in weekly installments every Tuesday. And so we're doing these little mini episodes where we debrief and Paulina just gives us her thoughts on the episode that came out this week because it's important to do that. And if y'all have questions too, feel free to write in and maybe we'll get to them. We'll see. <laughs> but I have some questions myself. Paulina, how are you feeling now that Foretold is out? I have so many mixed feelings and it's definitely been a whirlwind. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited for you and I'm so, so proud of you. Like you're so brave for telling your story. And I can also understand how it can be really nerve wracking. And I was just saying off mic, if it were me, I'd be barfing all day, but because it's not me, I'm just incredibly proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, as in like the whole crew has been working on this for a while and I put a lot of time and energy into it. You know, I went to recordings with my kids and they, you know, worked with me and they really did a nice deep dive into our history. But of course, there's a few sentences that I said in the podcast when I first left the community, I felt so betrayed. And I also resented my whole practice. I felt very confused. And I think there's things I said definitely that I regret. And at the very same time, I feel like it's helped me kind of understand my growth as a person and as a healer, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about one of those sentences. So I know that you were worried about how in this episode with a lot of emotion and obviously in a very difficult and desperate situation, you told the reporter Faith that you're a scammer born and bred. What was going on around you right then where you were saying that? And also like, how do you feel about that now? Right now, I definitely don't believe in that statement. I do believe that during the time I left and got disconnected from my fortune telling practice, I actually took a break from it because I felt very confused. Am I really helping people? Like what I was reading online was not so good. And I also remember other family or other gypsies would say negative things or kind of dehumanize clients. And I felt at the time that that statement was true. I was like, I guess I'm just a fraud. Like, I guess I'm just another scam artist. And I definitely do not feel like that now. I think the reason why was because I also felt betrayed by my community. You know, my kids were taken away from me and nobody backed me up. The very same family that was kind of upset about things I've said like now and I mean, I did say some pretty shitty shit. I said something like, you know, people shouldn't trust gypsies like they're right. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> which definitely a very shitty statement, guys. I know that. 
you know, and I'm sorry. (laughs) And at the very same time, I felt like that. I felt the community definitely betrayed me, you know? And so that's how I feel about it now. And that's kind of why I said it. Yeah, I know from talking to you as well, you grew up very isolated and all that you knew of Romani culture was your family and your extended family and you weren't being supported. You didn't have rights. And some of them were practicing, you know, fortune telling and other businesses in ways that you didn't think was right. Of course, you're going to say that and believe it. And, you know, I, I just have so much compassion for that terrified young person who reached out to the reporter. And I don't think what you said to her was wrong. I do think it's complex, you know, like, and I think that's, I'm hoping that as a story unfolds and as you have an opportunity to talk more on your own platform, that people understand how complex that situation is and how important it is that you do tell your life story. In a weird way too, I've had, you know, years to think about this and people know now that I opened my own holistic healing practice and it was a hard decision to make going back to fortune telling in such a full force kind of way. I couldn't let it go. I say fortune telling, but I also really mean the spiritual advising aspect to it. And then of course the wellness plans like we talked about, but I still believe that I was also born and bred to read people, whether you want to look at this in a psychological way or in an intuitive or spiritual way, or if it's just reading tarot cards, or if it is picking up on body language. And I know that sounds weird and maybe still controversial, but at the same time, thousands of my ancestors have been doing this. So I do believe that there is this ability in my bloodline to read people however you want to believe that I can do it. Because why would I dedicate my whole life to this practice over again? You know, Mm. I I, I don't want to say like bread also, but I think I was, I was born and raised to learn how to do this. And I think there has to be this ability somewhat carried through genetics scientifically you know or I can relate to that <laughs> yeah right? yeah and I, I remember talking to Oksana Marafiati about this before who wrote American Gypsy the memoir who, which I recommend everybody read because it's great and also she runs Lounge Writers which is a writing workshop so check her out she was saying how any kind of persecuted group has to learn how to survive by reading people's body language and strengthening their intuition and learning how to listen to their dreams and their senses. And Roma have been hella persecuted. We're not even talking about the actual fortune telling trades and spiritual advising trades, but just based on that, wouldn't you think that people would have heightened or open intuition just based on survival? (laughs) But I thought that was so smart. Yeah, there's this book I recommend a majority of my clients to read, and it's called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wallen. And it talks about how the DNA of trauma and stuff in general definitely carries through multiple generations. And so it is a part of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Circling back around to the parts of fortune telling or, you know, I'm using fortune telling as a shorthand because it's what I grew up with, but I like that in the first episode, Ian Hancock made that linguistic 
distinction that like in the Romani language, really, it's a healer. We're, we're doing the role of healer, both you and I in our business. So what I would like to ask you is listening to your interview today, when you talked about your mother teaching you the trade, you talked about real techniques that you were learning, really learning what the cards meant, really learning how to use your intuition, things that I related to that my grandmother taught me. What is the difference for you between scamming fortune telling and authentic fortune telling? The difference for me, I feel that, God, we had such a great episode with Alice Psychic. Mm -hmm. I related to her. I, I think I asked her that too. And she said, it's the caring for your clients. I want everyone to know a huge majority of my clients follow me and read this stuff and listen to this stuff. I'm afraid like if I'm being so honest about where I came from and my past and feeling disconnected from my practice, I'm not, you know, telling my clients, oh, you know, it's always been my passion and I'm the greatest at it and everything, you know, it's always been the world. Like, yeah, I, I definitely believe I've always been passionate about it, but I've had so much doubts in the past. I'm finally in a place where I'm confident because for me, I feel that the, the difference is really such a weird line. Like it's not a fine line, but it is kind of a broad, weird line. I believe that for one, if you do truly believe in what you're saying, you know, and not just manipulating yourself into believing what you're saying, but if you truly have a sense or a feeling, however you're getting that, I feel like that's already a good person. And then I also feel like if you take advantage of the person in any way, shape or form, then that's kind of going towards the wrong way. I also feel like I'm privileged way more than most people I know because I've had this outside influence now and I was able to lead my community and I've had supporters and it's been different for me. And so then I feel like what if someone on the street goes through something and they need to, you know, feed themselves or, or their kids or something. And it's like, well, there's a spell on you and pay me $10 or whatever. I don't think that's technically taking advantage of someone, maybe I in a weird way, or I feel like maybe it is, but desperate times come for desperate measures. Or is that how you say it? <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. That's the thing. And I mean, in, in the episode too, Ian Hancock was pointing out, I mean, there are all types of professions that try to make money off of people in ways that maybe don't feel right. Car salesmen and like lawyers. And it doesn't mean, I don't know, it's up to everyone's personal sense of integrity to figure out what that's about. But it, from what I'm hearing from you, it's like you are seeing that maybe there were like sales techniques that ran in your families that you don't use anymore, but you did learn how to read tarot and how to use energy. And, and you also know how to talk to clients in a way where you put them at ease and things like that. But there's that line of telling people, if you don't do this, then bad things will happen or being manipulative in other ways that maybe doesn't feel right to you anymore or didn't then even. Yeah, exactly. And that's where like, I'm actually even struggling with 
the option of maybe putting something out even on my website. If you're getting taken advantage from, you know, here's some ways to know because I have seen people get taken advantage of and it fucking sucks, period. And I don't believe that it should happen by anybody. Obviously, we still get just backlash and and prejudice, but even at that point, there's no excuse to dehumanize people or or see them not as whole. Part of what I'm worried about too is, and this is actually kind of a weird topic because let's say, I think overcharging is one of the things that I feel is part of taking advantage of people. Like when you're way like overcharging, I understand like I do have my own store. I I charge higher amounts than other businesses because I have an overhead. So if someone is paying for a certain service or a wellness program or reading, it's probably more than I would say the average person. I, I do have a lot of things that I have to pay for. And so it's like, I'm not going to be making a profit and doing something I love if I don't charge a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So what about people that have absolutely no time or like famous Hollywood psychics or something that are not even Roma at all? And they're charging thousands of dollars for like 20 minutes. Is that taking advantage of people or is it just charging more for your time? But I also feel like charging people for something that you obviously know is fake, uh, then you're kind of doing the wrong thing, like, period. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean, I've for myself, I've, I've definitely had, because I offer a sliding scale, but I can only offer so many sliding scale spots a month because I am not rich. <laughs> and I also have to pay for my life. And this is my job. But I've definitely had clients before who I just kind of knew they wanted to see me more than they could afford to see me. And I, I set like a boundary with them because it felt yucky to me be taking money from them when I knew they didn't have it. And I also feel like if someone had a lot of money and they wanted to read with me a lot, then my other question would sort of be like, are they mentally okay? Like, do they have mental health resources available to them? Or am I filling a void that maybe someone else should be filling? But if they had lots of money and they just liked it and they were having a nice time and liked the way that they were spending their money, I I wouldn't feel like that would be an issue. But there's always these, for me, at least when I'm trying to figure out my healthiest relationships with clients, I'm thinking about, okay, what are everyone's resources? What's the service that I'm actually doing? Is this good for everybody? (laughs) And so I don't think there's like an easy answer to it, but there's that wildly overcharging, I guess. But then again, celebrity psychics exist and that's fine for most people. And so, but I think it's because celebrities have wild resources too, but yeah, none of this is like straightforward. And I think that's sort of the magic of this podcast. I mean, Ramanistan, but also foretold is that we're figuring, we're talking about things that are really complex. Culture is complex. Class is complex. You know, <laughs> like it's, there's a lot at play here. And I'm really, really grateful that you were telling the story. And I'm also really grateful that you started this podcast with me because now you're three years later and you've had different experiences, even though you're still in the throes of a lot of the things that you were struggling with at the beginning. And I just love that you are sharing your experience with people and that we get to have other people, other Roma people share their experiences. Part of my hesitancy after the first episode came out, I just wanted to hide. I was like, 
I betrayed people, even if they betrayed me first, it's too much, you know, and a part of me not wanting to respond is because the clients I do have, I care about so much. And I feel like what if they even just associate me with scams that do happen in the world and then they don't trust me and they don't believe in all their prog progress like in all their work because so many of my clients in a weird way I really want to say all have progressed in whatever it was that we were working on you know based on like the life coaching programs and the meditations and the sound bowls and the diet programs I feel like a reading and the readings are definitely a part of my practice, but I'm so afraid of my long-term clients not trusting me. And so I'm like, here I am. And if I have to like deal with those consequences, I'm basically taking that risk. And the second thing I'm really worried about, not worried about, but I guess I just have anxiety about is my family. My family is already giving me so much backlash. And so I'm like, should I even say anything? Am I just trying to save my own ass? And the truth is, I want to admit I said some fucked up things and I feel like it was wrong. I was full of rage and I was so confused. I listened to that the first 20, 30 minutes of that episode and I was, oh my God, I sounded so scared. Like you could hear the shakiness in my voice. And yeah. Did you hear that too? <laughs> yeah, my heart broke for you because you were so alone and so afraid and just in such a tough situation. Thank you. But yeah, I also don't feel like it's definitely not an excuse for me to say the things I did, but I just do want to explain myself. Could have said things better, could have done things better, and I didn't at the time, but I'm trying to make up for it, you know? So that's kind of my reaction to the first episode. And at the same time, I urge people, listen to the whole thing, please. Listen to the end of the episode. <laughs> and also, I just as a thought experiment, invite us all to think about what if you had a reporter in front of you during the most desperate, fucked up time of your life, and they were like, tell me about it. What would you say to them? <laughs> it would be really hard to edit yourself, especially being... I mean, quite young. How old were you when you started those interviews? I think it was 23, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Early 20s. I mean, what, what would any of us say? And I think you did a fantastic job. Yes, you said some things that you were angry about, but I was riveted. I'm like, I can't wait till the next episode. And I know you, <laughs> you know, I know a lot of the story you know, don't be hard on yourself, but sure. Let's talk about anything that you have different thoughts about now, or you want to clarify, but I think that your heart is in the right place. It's weird to be so honest on such a public platform. I wonder how this is going to play out. I was really touched by how you said that in your head, you were really just talking to, you know, cousins or, or girls going through what you were going through. But the strange thing was that you didn't even think that maybe they would hear it. But I think people who need to hear it will hear it. And I think that's really meaningful. I didn't grow up in a super traditional community, but there were things that my family believed, my Romani side and my non-Romani side, that as an adult, I was like, wow, that's not accurate or right. <laughs> or like, <laughs> I don't feel that. <laughs> 
at all. And so I, I think what you, although you have a very specific experience, I, I do think that people understand a lot of what you're saying, just because we all kind of have our own versions of feeling isolated or feeling misunderstood. They did prepare me. They're like the first episode, you know, it's kind of fucked, but you'll be okay after that. I'm like, okay, great. Like <laughs> I took the commitment and I'm just like, oh, whatever guys, I don't know. Enjoy it. If you've already listened to it, like let us know your thoughts. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paulina. Expect more of these little mini-sode debriefing. We'll try to do as many as we can. And thank you so much everyone for listening. And we also have merchandise now that we're selling on our website, Romanistan Merchandise. And we're really trying to make this podcast a place where we can tell Romani stories and do good things. And so any way that you support us, whether it's through Patreon, our coffee fundraiser, or buying a cute Romanistan beanie really, really helps us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And thank you, Jess. Oh, thank you. For all my support. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you for listening to Romanistan Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen or wherever you can give us five stars. It helps us so much. You can find us at romanistanpodcast.com where we have a blog, all of our episodes, merch, links to our Patreon, fundraiser, and social media on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Romanistan Podcast and on Twitter at Romanistan Pod. We run entirely on your support. So if you love the show, consider donating to our coffee fundraiser. That's K-O-F-I. The link coffee.com backslash Romanistan is on our website. You can also subscribe to our Patreon for extra content and treats every month. Email us at romanistanpodcast at gmail.com with listener stories, requests for advice, recipes, Romani culture, language facts, and anything else you want to share. Reach out if you want to advertise with us too. We offer sliding scale for Romani, Sinti, and related businesses. So reach out. You can find me, Jez, on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook under Jasmina Vontila. Also, please check out my vintage and curiosities shop, Evil Eye Edit, on Etsy. You can find me, Paulina Raminski, on Instagram at underscore Paulina underscore V underscore and at romaniholistic.com. Follow my store, Romani Holistic, in Corona Del Mar, California, on Instagram at Romani Holistic. Romanistan is hosted by Jessica Reedy, a.k.a. Jasmina Vontila, and Paulina Verminski. Conceived of by Paulina Verminski, edited by Cherub, with music by Victor Pachas, and artwork by Elijah Vardo. Bye. Bye.